really passionate about empowering women with knowledge and with advice and with evidence-based information and advice so that they can steer a better course through the menopause uh, than I found certainly at the beginning because I couldn't find much information out there. Welcome to another episode of Spotlight with Ellen Nomoyle from the My Menopause Centre. On today's podcast, we're going to be looking at the effects of menopause on women in the workplace and what leadership and business can do to make life easier for women going through the menopause and their colleagues to support them through it. So um, I'm Helen Ormoyle. I'm co-founder of My Menopause Centre. It's great to be here today to chat with you. Um, I founded my menopause centre with Dr. Claire Spencer and we launched about eight months ago at the end of April 2021. Amazing. And you um, obviously got a menopause specialist and you did some research into the the menopause from like reading your blog. Obviously, there's a lot more information behind what's actually written in the blog. So obviously you did some research and you've, you've led to putting this online resource. Was that based on the research that you found in terms of like the exposure, what, what sort of forced you to actually make that decision to set up a site? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think there were a few different things. Uh, so one of the key things is the fact that I'm a menopausal woman myself. Okay. And um, about four years ago, so as I came up to my 50th birthday, uh, I found myself experiencing symptoms like hot flushes and night sweats. And it took me a couple of weeks to join the dots to realise that actually I was starting to go through the menopause. Um, and it made me realise that I had never in my whole life given it a second thought. I knew nothing about it. So I was completely unprepared for what was happening to my body and the best way to manage the symptoms. Um, And uh, I discovered then as I learned more about the menopause and did research into it, that is pretty typical for most women. Certainly it was four or five years ago. And it's a bit of a shocker when you think it's a a, a big part of a woman's health. Um, We have estrogen, women have estrogen receptors all over their body. And so when your estrogen levels start to change, it impacts every bit of your body. I did not know that there are 40 and counting symptoms of menopause. People typically know about hot flushes, yeah, of course. some maybe night sweats, but what people very often don't realize is there are psychological symptoms of menopause. So it can range from cognitive function, so brain fog, memory and concentration issues to mood symptoms such as depression, anxiety, which can lead to loss of confidence and self-esteem, and a host of physical symptoms, which I call the weird and wonderful, like dry eyes, dry mouth, and so on, just to give you a flavor. So um, I'm really passionate about empowering women with knowledge and with advice and with evidence-based information and advice so that they can steer a better course through the menopause uh, than I found, certainly at the beginning, because I couldn't find much information out there. It's interesting that um, that that so that the aspects of the menopause that leads on to like anxiety and depression is obviously like <clears throat> anxiety and depression are like big topics as well right now. Just there's a bit obviously a big focus on those, and it's interesting that the um, and it'd be interesting to see in the future whether there's 
a, a, a focus on menopausal women in the workplace and how that affects like productivity and staff retention and, and, and whether you offer the service, whether that's actually attractive to to staff. Because there's in the work that I do sort of like with some of the bigger corporate clients that we have, there's a lot of focus on like getting the workplace right and like the not necessarily the, um, you know, like the big glamorous parts of like, um, packages that companies offer like rewards and recognition yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like trips to wherever to celebrate whatever there's actually <clears throat> quite it feels like it that it, at the moment there's quite a big push from employees that these sort of like softer smaller benefits are more what they're actually Definitely. looking for is that is that yeah. in line with why you sort of like launching uh, absolutely yeah so we so my partner fellow founder dr claire spencer is a menopause specialist and gp uh, she runs a big NHS menopause practice in Leeds. And obviously she's a clinical director of our clinic at my menopause centre. So my menopause centre is a website with loads of free information and advice on the menopause. We have a free menopause questionnaire. It gives you an excellent diagnosis. Uh, it's uh, We have an algorithm that runs it. And you, it takes four minutes to do the questionnaire and you get an email with your results. And then we have a clinic. So we're a digital first proposition in business and we have an online menopause clinic and Claire is clinical director and we've four, three other brilliant doctors that work with her. What we're finding is, and you will see over the last four or five years in particular, there's growing conversations about menopause and there's some brilliant parliamentarians who are now picking up this as a cause. It's being debated in the House of Parliament. Organisations are definitely doing a lot more on this front. There's a brilliant organisation called Henpicked which is also based in Nottingham, also founded by a former colleague uh, at Boots, Deborah Garlick. They do wonderful training. And so to your point, our organisations, I think, are recognising that well-being and wellness is a key part of their uh, inclusion and diversity agenda. And so they're also then looking at what more they can do to support women going through the menopause. And we've done, since we've launched, a lot more than I thought we would, but we've done quite a number of corporate workshops where we go in and raise awareness of menopause. And we're doing a pilot with DFS, so where we, we've gone to three of their factories and we've done group consultations with uh, women in, from the factory floor who are going through the menopause to help them with their symptoms. Because, as you say, symptoms can cause absence at work. You know, there are, Boopa did some research that showed that almost a million women in the UK have left the workplace because of menopause symptoms. And that's just a shocker. I mean, it really is. It doesn't have to be that way. Many of those women will be at the peak of their career. Yeah. <clears throat> and then this comes out of nowhere and it can really knock them for six. That's why these conversations are so important. And I think <clears throat> I think if you can strip out like the personal impact that, that it does actually have on the individual woman, and obviously there's a million women with these uh, issues in the workplace that's causing them to leave, the actual uh, the the reason for action and the reason that these that this service should be more prominent is the fact that that costs loads oh, of money. Yeah. Like it's the, about economic impact. The, 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 the economics of it and a lot of a lot of what uh, we, we've what we've seen throughout the uh, pandemic is like this focus on trying to make the staff want to stay. Yeah, and exactly. obviously uh, there's a real shift as well as like having the the positive the positivity of these softer things in place to actually retain staff and you know but business have actually realized that it costs loads of money when people keep leaving uh, you know if, if you're looking at a, a senior um a senior female i don't know in their in their 50s in a in a, a high management or or director's position you're looking at 
twenty to thirty thousand pounds of cost in recruitment fees Absolutely. to replace that person. Yeah. And I would imagine that the the um, the individual cost item per person for a service like yours is a lot smaller than the place oh, absolutely. in one. And that's how absolutely. business started to look at it. Yeah. yeah, and the institutional knowledge that leaves with somebody who's skilled and has, you know, that has all that experience in an organisation uh, as well. well. I mean, especially if you'd like work there, say, for instance, you, uh, like my own mum, for example, 27 years at the same place, it's not just the cost of replacing her, it's the cost of, like, everything. That's, that's all, all, yeah, all of that yeah, knowledge, like yeah. all of that expertise, you know, the wisdom, the expertise that kind of comes with just years under the belt. Yeah, like we used to laugh. My mum had outlived many managing directors and was yeah, yeah. was 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 still was still in position. And it, I think the reason I made the comparison to the uh, mental health aspect is because we you've, we've actually seen that evolve. Um, I I suffered with my I suffered with my mental health in my early twenties. Uh, I had a corporate job, and me and my mum just decided to lie because that was the instead of going in and saying I was depressed. It was actually easy to say I had a problem with drink, and they were more willing to accept the fact that I might be an alcoholic, which I wasn't, over being depressed. And like we went, yeah. that was the easier to that was yeah. easiest to manage. They were like, oh, so you need time off every other Friday to go to talk to somebody about your drinking? Well, yes, but no, but that was. I know, and it's a bit like from from to see where we've got to with. Uh, like depression and anxiety in the workplace today and it being like uh, oh, so much un- better, so much yeah. better. And, and, and hopefully the the, f- the future is the same for uh, something like this which is probably like if you looked at like the healthcare economics aspect of it it's probably more or of a similar cost due to the the level um the age that it happens to women and the more senior level of their careers so uh, yeah, it's probably got a similar sort of healthcare economics oh, cost it's, it's, it's massive. I think I've seen an estimate that somewhere around 14 million days are lost to sickness wow. or absence at work because of menopause symptoms. Wow. And a lot of organisations, this will be invisible to them because they're not recording the symptoms in that way. Or and, and also because there is still so much stigma and taboo around menopause, a lot of women will not feel comfortable to your point, it was easier for you to say, I might be an alcoholic than to say I'm suffering from depression. For a lot of women, it might be easier to say, I'm suffering from stress mm. than to say, I have all these menopause symptoms. Because it's very personal and it's it's not well understood by society. We did we did some research last summer with Britain Thinks and you know around half the population still think that the menopause is a taboo. Uh, but that rose to in the 70s for women going through the menopause and I think they know what they're talking about so people think it isn't a taboo who aren't experiencing it but it's only because they're not thinking about it yeah you know so and most people that we spoke to men and younger women in particular don't really know what they should do or could do to support a woman going through the menopause because they don't understand what menopause actually is so that's why you know one of our philosophies as a brand is that knowledge is power and it's about empowering women but empowering everybody to understand what the menopause is so that organizations, husbands, wives, partners, sons, daughters, people just understand what a woman is going through and how they can support her as she's going through it. As well, like the conversation amongst um, people has to move on from not necessarily being a bit squeamish. Yeah. Like being prepared to like, like have a conversation about the menopause, be that in the workplace or at home. Or both. In a really matter-of-fact way. You know, you call it like normalising the conversation. Because, look, when we say that menopause is a natural part of a woman's life, every woman will go through the menopause in some shape or form. 
Um, most women start going through menopause in their mid-40s, but it can be mid-50s. But when we put numbers to that, what that means is that there are about 15 and a half million women in the UK today who are in some stage of the menopause transition. There are over 4 million women aged 50 to 65 in the workplace. There are massive numbers. This is not a niche issue. No. You know, this is not a, a woman's issue that should be put in a box and, and then it affects a smaller. This is a mainstream issue. We need to speak about it in a mainstream way, in the same way that mental health is a mainstream yeah. issue. So it should be, it's a matter of fact conversation. But because um, I, I think it, it's, it's, it's a, there's so many issues around this because I think we, we still live in an ageist society. Western society is very ageist, I think. Yeah. You know, we venerate youth and youthfulness. Yeah. And there are so many stereotypes around old women, aging women, the mother-in-law, the menopausal woman, the moody woman, the woman with the hot flushes, the setty woman. You know, the, the butt of jokes. We don't see women represented in advertising. We don't see women, older actresses, see them on screen in the same way. So a lot of women will not feel comfortable speaking about menopause because it's an admission of an age. And in some industries, you know, in my own in marketing, we know that, you know, women in their 50s and 60s are massively underrepresented. You know, so we've really got to think about getting to the root cause of these issues. And I really believe that if we can start with normalizing the conversation around menopause, which will get us into, you know, age and, and, and respecting the wisdom that comes with age. And if we can then look at, if we normalize that conversation, support more women, we'll have more women, I always like to say, behind the camera, which will get us more women in front of the camera. Yeah. Because I think, you know, you're, you're running a creative business. You know, if you think about it, if you're designing a campaign or doing something for women in their 50s and 60s, if somebody in their 20s or 30s is doing it, they're projecting themselves into that life. They haven't got the lived experience. It makes a huge difference yeah. if you're speaking to a 50-year-old woman who's developing a service for a 15-year-old woman. You know, because you have that lived experience course, and it's yeah. just a, a getting of it of course. that you get. I think with, I think with the, I think my point with like, the, it, like not being squeamish subject matter, uh, I like being more, as you called it, like a direct conversation. If I think about it from like a management perspective, say if I was like the, uh, we've got, we were a young team here. If I was in a situation where I was managing a, 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 a broader age range of a team, the type of, I know I am quite forward thinking, but the type of person I am, I'd rather just somebody come in and say, I'm, I've got the menopause. And then you can then go, right, I can find a solution to help to work through whatever this person needs me to support them with that, as opposed to like what you said before, like saying, oh, I've got stress. So then you're like yeah. trying to fix a problem that's not actually, it's, it's not, the, the, real the, not the real issue, yeah. which is actually a waste of time on both sides because you're trying to find a fix yeah. for someone who's just trying to cover something. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, have being, and, and here we, we have like, and from the work that we've done with like our wellness action plans and things like that, you can see when someone's struggling and you just go, it's everything all right. Like, yeah. uh, your triggers that are in this document yeah. that, you, you know, you seem a bit moody or a bit agitated or not quite a bit, is everything okay? And often they go, oh, I've got a problem at home or this has been bothering me or whatever. And you can try and work a solution out that's best for them in the workplace, which would be much easier if I was thinking about me managing somebody yeah. with menopause and they're just dead straight with you. Yeah. Just like, well, I and can make the appropriate allowances. I can go away and research well, they can give you some information as well. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a really great shout. And it, what it calls out is that it's kind of both parties that need to understand what mm. menopause is. Um, and so having, you know, thinking around, should I have a menopause policy in my organization? You know, how do I educate everyone in the organization around what menopause is? 
because for a lot of women, they don't realize they're going through menopause. So that's why education and information is so important so that you recognize in yourself if you, you know, a lot of women will, you know, Claire, Dr. Claire Spencer, my, my partner will say, she calls it like a creeping anxiety. They might find in their mid forties, starting to feel a bit more anxious, maybe not feeling as confident driving in the motorway at night. These little things, but then, you know, you might have kids, you might have parents to look after, you might have a job, you think it's just stress, you're really busy. So, but by being aware of the various symptoms of menopause, it enables you to maybe join the dots and by education in the workforce and the fact that so many women are in the workforce, organizations, employers have a huge role to play in empowering men and women with knowledge and understanding about the menopause. Because I, I really believe not only will workplaces benefit, but I think society will be a better place for it as well. And I think for the woman as well, I think like it must be like really difficult um, at home with a husband if they're if they're in a in a in a, in a relationship to like be able to maybe have those conversations at home and get that level of support, especially working full time. But when you actually think about it, you probably spend more time with the people that you work with than you do mm. at home. So where you're spending like, you know, you might go home and spend other than sleeping two, three, four hours, you've got kids, maybe less time with each other of an evening and actually in the workplace is where you spend eight, nine hours a day. So mm. it makes sense that the level of support and knowledge is as high at the workplace as it is at home, just in thinking it through in terms of like how you're spending your time. And yeah. uh, if you like work, you, you work so closely with people that even though it's a really personal matter, I think a better education for people working with that person on an eight, nine hour cycle a day mm. It's going to be so much more conducive to the business performing better if everybody's actually appreciative of how the other person yeah. might be done. They've actually got no control over it. Yeah, yeah. Like there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. It, is, it is what it is. We tend to be like one of two ways, entrepreneurs. You're either like, you end up leaving corporate land and go off and do your own thing later later on. Uh, similar to me, I was uh, like 30 when I jacked it. Well, there's not enough of this. Um and then you obviously get like young, uh, <clears throat> young, young people going out who have got, they don't have like the lessons and the knowledge that a real long career can give you. So it's a completely different take. And there's advantage. I, I often think that we're a bit risk averse when we've come out of corporate because you're kind of like trained to be risk averse, and the young kids are a bit risk. Like I've got nothing to lose type things. And you know, how how did you how did you do it? How did you find leaving I mean my mum always used to tell me when she left her job my mum was retired for 36 hours she literally retired for 36 hours because she said she, she left her work and then she just said like she didn't feel like anything and she left a, a big corporate job so it just felt empty so she just took another job even though she was supposed to be retiring and I would imagine there's quite a, a you working at Boots lots of people going there how, how, how was that how did you sort of like what advice would you give somebody yeah. transforming through that process but look if you'd asked me five or ten years ago if i was going to leave the corporate world set up my own business i would say not in a million years not in a million years so why did i do it so look i've always been very purpose-led with what i've done so if you look at the brands that i've worked for so boots very purpose-led brand bbc is at dfs we had a real purpose around british manufacturing and Brit you know telling that story and bringing it all to life um, I really believe in the purpose of what Claire and I are doing at my menopause centre because of my own experience, because I really care. I'm a massive advocate of women helping women. I'm a massive 
uh, women's health champion. And I saw I saw a gap and a need and I felt that I couldn't not do something about it. Um, and I felt um, the safer route would definitely have been to stay in the corporate world because I was in a job that I loved for a brand that I love. Um, but I felt, you know, I, I sometimes kind of think, right, I'm on my deathbed. How am I going to feel about this? And I and I've always um, I've always, you know, you know, that book, feel the fear and do it anyway. I've always kind of felt that I can't let fear of doing something stop me from doing it if I think it's the right thing to do. So I thought I really want to do this. If I don't give it a go, I will always regret it. So it was a big decision to leave Boots. A huge, it's, a, yeah. it's an amazing yeah. brand and I do love it. But, you know, I feel really passionate about this. I found somebody that I love working with, with Claire. Uh, my husband is an enormous support in this. He's, a, he's in the business as well, helping us. And, I'm re and, and I think I can't imagine that I would have left for something that I didn't feel as passionate about because it's that passion that's kind of got me through. And it's a calculated risk. I mean, I did sit down. My husband's an accountant. He's a, he was a finance director. We went through all the numbers. We looked at it, you know, so there was a very rational point to it as well. But it is a risk, you know, and part of it was ego. You know, one of the things that really made me, you know, you've got to be you've got to be honest with yourself about these things. And part of the, the, the conversation I had in my head was, well, how are you going to feel like, not being the CMO of a big company and you're on a startup and you're just starting up, you'll have nothing, you'll be doing everything yourself. You go from having teams of hundreds of people where people just do stuff for you to you're doing it yourself. And I was telling the guys, I'm editing the videos now myself and it's ball aching. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas before where somebody would have edited the video and yeah. I would have looked at it and given my feedback. <laughs> you know, take yeah. it. So it, it is completely different, you know, but I I, lo I, lo I really do love what I'm doing. So what, what advice would I give somebody if they were thinking about leaving? I think you've got to be clear on the life that you want to live and what's important to you. And you can do your own risk assessment and everybody's risk level is different. Is, I, yeah. I've always been a risk taker in life, but I've taken calculated risks. Uh, and sometimes things have worked out and sometimes they haven't. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but I've definitely learned from the things that have been most painful in my life. I, I really have. Um, and so I say, one, be really honest with yourself about what's important to you. Because if, you know, that job title is is really more important to you than going out and doing something, have that conversation with, with yourself and say, am I willing to change this or, or not? Because um, you, you do you do kind of have, you will know, have the ups and downs when you run your own business because you're, you're putting everything kind of into it. So think about what's important to you in your life. Uh, think about, you know, I always like to think of legacy and, you know, I have two boys and, you know, I'd like to think that they'll be proud of what I do. And I'd like to think that when I'm on my deathbed, I, I, I would like to think in my own small way, I'll have made the world a little bit better, Yeah. you know, leaving it than, than it was when I came into it. That's really important to me. Um, and, um, and then work through the numbers financially. That is really important because it's hard to be, I certainly can't be Zen-like if I'm stressed. Or yeah, it's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like many people, many people are saying, so find the right person to talk to about on that side. But the other the biggest thing of all, I suppose, is you've got to love what you're leaving to do. You've got to love what it is that you want to set up. You've really got to believe in it and you've got to be incredibly resilient. And then family and friends, people to talk to, people to, you know, shoulder to cry on, somebody to celebrate, people to celebrate with, you know, that network, friends and family are so important, you know, because they're, they're the people who are there for you. And uh, somebody told me, uh, who's also entrepreneurial, that the highs are higher than anything you'll ever experience and the lows are lower. And I would say that's definitely true, but, you know, I, I, I love it. I really do. Uh, I really do. 
Uh, it's not the easy path to take, though. I would say that. A, a very common trait when you set up your uh, a business is you, do, you just you forget about your own sort of care and you are just on it yeah. at, 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 at all times. And actually, that's um, I actually think that's hinders your business, actually. And the one thing I've definitely learned throughout the pandemic is more time for me, more time to focus on staying healthy, staying fit, staying well in mind. So how are you prioritising your self-care? Yeah, I think one of the things I learned in going through the menopause that self-care is hugely important. And I, I often use the analogy of, you know, when the hosties on the plane say, the oxygen mask come down, you must put your own mask on first. Uh, you know, self-care is like that. If you don't look after yourself as much as you want to look other after other people, really perform in your job, you can't if you don't look after yourself. So it's not being selfish. It's not like something that should be at the bottom of priority. So... I, I learned in going through the menopause that I, I really needed to look after my health. You know, I was getting to an age where I couldn't take it for granted that my recovery would be really quick if I had an injury or anything. So for me, self-care is um, I I love exercising now, which I never did up until a few years ago, but particularly running. Um, and I meditate most days uh, that I start in the morning with a meditation and that 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 silence and that kind of grounding and and you know that book um the power of now by Eckhart Tolle it really is that recognition that the only thing that matters is now and the only place I should be putting my energy is in this moment in this present moment and it's so much easier said than done because it's easy to have conversations about what's happened in the past in your head it's easy to create stress about what might happen in the future but the f you know everything is just a series of nows so it's just if I at least start the day in that, and I will inevitably forget it as I go through the day, but just by going back to that kind of every morning really, really helps me. And then, you know, we eat, my husband is supremely healthy, so I'm very fortunate. We have vegetable juices every morning for breakfast and stuff. So we eat pretty healthy, but I love red wine. It doesn't, you know, triggers hot flushes, but, you know, I put up with them to have some red wine, you know, love going out. So it's important to you know, do things that you enjoy, even if they're a little bit naughty, but it's about recognising the balance, I suppose. But yeah, I would say self-care is hugely important. It's not a selfish thing to do, to put yourself first in that way. And allocating that actual time and you to have do to, it. You have to invest, a... you have to invest, you know, so you have to put the time in the calendar. In a in a perfect scenario for uh, the menopause, let's say, like, if you're a business that's um, it's put on your radar, you're thinking yeah. to yourself, right, I've looked at the company. We've got twenty percent of the workforce fit into this age category and gender category. Yeah. From a business perspective, if you looked at your workforce like that, it's very quickly that very easy then to go. Well, actually, we could have a we could have, do something here. We could have a, absolutely. Obviously, yeah. we, we we will have people within the company that are going through this changes in life. What do we do? What's what? What should they be doing? What's like yeah. the perfect case scenario? Yeah, I think, look, it's a really great question. And I think it's um, it starts with leadership and tone from the top and about the type of culture that you want to create in your organization. Uh, and so I think having an inclusive culture, and that means including an age-inclusive culture, is, is really the starting point. And in that context, then, thinking about, right, if I want to be inclusive and age-inclusive, menopause is impacting my female workforce. So what support do I need to put in place? And then we discussed earlier on how hard it is to support or provide support if people are too embarrassed to have the conversations. So it starts then I think with normalizing the conversation. 
So because it is such a sensitive topic still for so many men and women, um, it's really important to think about practical things that you can do to normalize the conversation. So leadership from the top and going out there to talk about it, having workshops. Uh, you know, we, we've done workshops with organizations um, where we've had panel discussions at the end with senior men and women from the organization. That helps massively. Because if you see that your CEO or members of your male and female members, it's important that this isn't just a female conversation, it's a male and female conversation, are talking about it. One, it says it's important enough for them to spend the time on. Two, you know, they're, 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 they're walking the walk. They're not just talking about something, they're really living and they're embodying it. But then following up with the right training, you know, depending on the size of the organization for line managers and providing the right information and advice to the people teams and to the occupational health teams. Because let's just say, you know, in a retail environment, if you're a 50 something year old woman, you know, and you work on the shop floor and your line manager is a 25 year old guy, you know, neither of you are potentially going to feel very comfortable about exactly, having that conversation. Yeah. So you can't expect that just by flicking a switch or telling people that this is what we're going to do now, that it will happen. So you've got to provide the support for people. You've got to meet people where they are and it will be different in different organizations. Uh, so meet people where they are and look at and ask them what support they feel they need. And then think about the workplace adjustments that you can make to help women. So, you know, if you're in support office, it might be you're given more flexibility with your start and finish times. You might have a fan in your desk. You know, there, there might be more sanitary products available in the toilets. If you're on the shop floor, it might be that, you know, many shop floor workers are not allowed to bring water bottles onto the floor with them or, you know, it, it can be challenging with, with breaks and stuff. You might be allowed to have more breaks. You know, some companies have done a brilliant job and they're looking at um, moving from um, uh, synthetic uniforms to uniforms made of natural based fibres because, you know, if you've ever had a hot flush in polyester it's not a good look or a good feel and that only exacerbates the yeah. sense of anxiety and stress that comes with it so so there are there are a load of things that organizations can do that will practically help but again if we come back to pens and pens and the economic impact what that does in terms of colleague engagement to feel that you've been heard and understood and your your organization is acting on it is massive then I think there are, you know are organized lots of organizations are thinking but what do I need to do above and beyond that a lot of women don't feel they're getting the right advice from their GP. A lot of GPs themselves don't really understand menopause because they're not trained in it. This isn't about GP of bashing. Course, yeah. GPs do an amazing <clears throat> yeah. job. Um, so, it's very specialist. Um, it's for, it is very, yeah, specialist. It's very specialist. So yeah. a lot of organizations are now looking at providing specialist care. That's what DFS did and bringing us in to do it. You know, and, and, and so there are lots of other great service providers out there. So 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 that they, they not only will colleagues go, oh, maybe I'm menopausal, but they would go the next step, the whole step with them to help them find a solution to get the right information and advice to get the right medical treatment and the right support that they need. Sounds like <clears throat> sounds like to me, obviously we've got uh, we've got other issues with women in the workplace in terms of like the gender pay gap and like lack of women on boards and stuff just generally speaking at the bigger companies. Sounds like from what you're saying, if you're uh, a woman working in an organisation that's looking to promote, push organisational change, especially around... Yeah something like this, identifying leadership or identifying that you're in an organisation that's got leadership and that's willing to like listen, go through one of those uh, like available channels to communicate yeah. the, the organisational change. And actually there is a focus on the economics yeah, as aspect of it. And rightly or wrongly, <clears throat> when the leadership is not willing to listen on personal, uh, on a personal 
level yeah. around the implications of uh, the menopause. In this case, they're probably listed when it comes to pounds and pounds. Yeah, that is absolutely spot yeah. on. And then if you look at the gender pay gap, um, because we we have the law on equal pay, so sometimes people conflate equal pay and, and, and the gender pay gap. So it's not about equal pay. If you look at the gender pay gap, there isn't, you know, a, a really an issue for men and women in their 20s and 30s where you really see the gap start to emerge is for women in their 40s and 50s and I really believe that one of the root causes of this is the number of women who leave the workplace because of menopause mm -hmm. symptoms and if they don't leave very often they'll step back from promotions you know they won't feel confident they lose their confidence lose their mojo or won't put themselves forward they reduce their hours they might change roles so I really believe that by addressing this and providing that support, it will absolutely help towards closing that gender pay gap. Amazing. And it is, and, and, and you can, I think, looking at it from the perspective of like trying to challenge leadership, if you, if someone is in that situation, then go after the health economics aspects of it and like do really simple calculations, like look at how many women are in the workplace and, you know, if you're suffering menopause, like use your own calculations with how many days off you would have liked to add on and then apply that to the workforce. And you've yeah. got, you'll have a pretty solid argument in, in one of those leadership. Just oh, yeah. And the numbers are there. I mean, the average, it's, it's three point something days a year that the average woman will take off work because of menopause symptoms. And even like, even like the most um, non-sensitive bloke that's running a business let's oh, yeah. say it's, it's, it is it, yeah if you, if you said to, if you said to them oh do you know 20 women here are struggling with hot flushes they'd be like oh well if you said 20 women here have hot flushes and have have 400 days off a year they'd be like what what's how many days off very different ways yeah. of like looking at and that's why a lot of the um a lot of the medical companies that sell into the nhs changed five ten years ago to like a healthcare economics model when they mm -hmm. were putting ideas and, and pathways in because actually it does boil down to money doesn't it at the, yeah uh, like that's what yeah. big decisions get made of when they see a cost analysis of yeah it. but sad though at the same mm. time still it, but it was, obviously you've got to try and look for a way to change something and unfortunately it always comes down to brass tacks but yeah it's sad that but this, that's, the, and the data's there and the data's the thing, there yeah, yeah. Advice for someone to start up there and bring their own business. Yeah. Assuming you're doing something that you love, I would say really make sure that you understand your customer and what's important to them. Really be clear in what your proposition is. What's your point of difference versus other people who are out in the market? And listen, 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 listen to your customer. It's that passion. For, if I could pick one thing, I would say it's like really, and I know it sounds like I'm stating the bleeding obvious, but really understand your customer. And whether you're developing a service or a product, what value are you adding to their life? What problem are you solving for them? How are you useful and relevant? And keep it simple. Because sometimes you can get caught up in reams of stuff. The hardest thing to do is to describe that in 30 seconds or less. Make sure you can nail it in 30 seconds yeah. or less. So that completes this episode of Spotlight With. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe. And we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.